It's Wednesday, July 13th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, stop me if you heard this before, but the Guardians split another doubleheader yesterday. Uh, long day at the ballpark. Uh, they take the early game, uh, four to one. Shane Bieber uh, with a, a just a complete game gem. Uh, looked like Shane Bieber of old. Ninety-five pitches to get through that uh, White Sox lineup in a four-one win. And then they come back in the nightcap and get shut out uh, seven to nothing. Connor Pilkington uh, made to suffer once again as the starter. His third consecutive start uh, in in the uh, second game of a doubleheader. Uh, for the Guardians, and he's he's got at least one more to go. Uh, the, the schedule's been rough. The Guardians have uh, you know lost more games of these doubleheaders. I think they're seven and nine in doubleheader games, but uh, you know there there there's a light at the end of the tunnel. At least there's only two more left on the schedule. Thank goodness. I mean, I know they're coming coming out of the All Star break. They they open in Chicago and they've got one there. And I think what one against the Twins later in the year, maybe. Right. Right. So uh, it's been a grind, Joe. It's been really, I mean, and Pilkington can't catch a break. I mean, I don't know if he, this is his role, I guess. And uh, it's just like, you know, you see, you know, he's so, you know, obviously he's a rookie, you know, he's young, he's inconsistent. You know, you see him make two good pitches in a row and then three bad ones. It's just, and he's always, you know, by the time the fourth or fifth inning rolls around, he's up you know, toward 80, 90 pitches and he's out of there. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's, I guess it's helping him. It's gotta be, it's gotta help him the experience, but I, I really, I really anxious to see how this, how, how he benefits from this, you know, maybe coming out of uh, next season, how, you know, going into next year. Yeah. I think the, the storyline with Pilkington is wait until next year, wait until maybe the year after that. I, I don't know. Does he, do you think he projects as a guy who could fit somewhere in the rotation, even with what he has, e- even if he's, you know, improved next year, does he fit in the rotation somewhere? I, I I don't know. Just based on the talent and the names and the, the sort of the potential, of the guys behind him. Uh, I just don't know where he fits in the plans. Uh, we've never seen a pitch out of the bullpen really. So, uh, you know, I, 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 the idea that, yeah, he's going to benefit from this and it'll be great, but to what end, you know, where does he go? Where does he fit is, is the question that I have. Not, not is, can they develop him? I, I think they could keep developing him, keep giving him chances and he might turn into a good pitcher, but it's probably going to be for somebody else. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't think there's a spot right now in the, in that top five, unless, you know, something crazy happens at the deadline or in the off season. Uh, you know, unexpected rather than crazy. But, uh, you know, we, we've seen, you know, Eli Morgan was, you know, what he made 18 starts last year and then, you know, transitioned into the bullpen. Maybe there's a role for Pilkington in the, in the pen somewhere, or he could do the same kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great point. And I would think that, you know, if Eli Morgan has his eyes on uh, a spot in the rotation somewhere down the line as well, that he might get the the first shot at something like that. Uh, from from Terry Francona and and the staff, but uh, yeah, just where does Connor Pilkington fit is a is a big question. Uh, you know that we have after after this sort of stretch of three four uh, doubleheader starts where he's he is sort of just being used. He's being shipped back and forth between uh, Columbus and and Cleveland. 
Uh, as far as uh, the other game goes, though, uh, Shane Bieber, we got vintage Shane Bieber uh, in the early game. Uh, he was efficient. He he used his cutter and his, uh, his slider sort of in tandem to keep the uh, White Sox off balance. He'd throw the he'd throw the slider like thirty three percent of the time, and then he'd throw the cutter off of that just to, to have something a little sharper and a little harder to get the guys uh, leaning a little bit. Uh, and and it set up his his fastball and his his curveball as well. Uh, Austin Hedges said after the game that when he's using those pitches. And there's just a slight variation between the two, slight, that that better separation between the the cutter and the uh, slider, that uh, it almost makes him a six pitch pitcher. Yeah, he was really impressive, and uh, like you said, like 95 pitches, you know, to to pitch a complete game, first complete game by the Guardians this year. What 17th, only the 17th in the big leagues mm-hmm. this season. Um, and uh, just, uh, you know, he was just, he really, you know, he just kind of was just in control. And it, it's rare to, you know, we haven't seen that for a while from him. Maybe going back, you know, before he got hurt last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was really encouraging. Uh, what, 33 sliders, 25 cutters, uh, just uh, really impressive. And uh, what, his first complete game since 2019. Right. So who knows? I mean, it's going to, we'll see how he, you know, bounces back in his next start from this. The, uh, the guardians hadn't had a complete game uh, thrown since Aaron Savali threw one in Pittsburgh in 2020. And this is, this kind of blew my mind when uh, the, the guardians PR uh, guys uh, told me that was the, the, that broke the longest drought for a franchise between complete games uh every other major league franchise had thrown a complete game at some point between that one and and the last uh cleveland complete game wow i mean so, and then, yeah and you look back at you know you look back at feller and all those guys those their lines i mean all they did was pitch complete games even gaylord perry it, it's it's crazy how the game has changed and how you know the handling is of pitching has changed right yeah and you know, a lot of the pandemic season, the 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 strike shortened or uh, spring training has a lot to do with the reason why there aren't a lot of complete games right now. But, uh, you know, when you think Shane Bieber, you think that that's, you know, what he could give you every time out. And it's it's ridiculous that we've come to expect stuff like that. But that's the way it is. Uh, do you think it was any part of a coincidence at all that the the all star reserves and pitchers were named on Sunday Shane Bieber obviously not among them but uh he comes out the first start after that first start after a a dud in Chicago or or in Detroit and he pitches the way he did against Chicago that's you know almost like he was trying to prove something yeah I'm sure it was I'm sure that was a motivational factor you know he made the club last year even though you know what he got hurt in July or June or July that one game against Seattle so he made the all-star team last year. Uh, you know, of course, he pitched in the 2019 all-star game in, in Cleveland and uh, what was the MVP. So, yeah, I'm I'm sure that kind of stung a little, not making that club. And what, when's his next start, Joe? Would he, would he start Sunday against the Tigers? I, I would think that that would probably be his next uh, 
Yeah, so he, that probably he, takes yeah. him out of consideration, even if somebody, you know, withdraws from the All-Star game right now. Well, there's always the possibility of a, a rainout, you know, that's uh, – <laughs> if, it's, if it's the Guardians, maybe maybe there's a rainout and he gets pushed. But, uh, no, if he stays on uh, pace, then there's no chance of, of him pitching uh, in the All-Star game if if he would be named a reserve. But, uh, you know, there are plenty of other, other worthy candidates as well, and we can't overlook them. Uh, but we, you know, we, we, you know, we, we didn't get really, uh, uh, a chance to talk, uh, too in depth about the, the guys that, that did make the club. And, you know, we did talk Monday, uh, Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez and Emmanuel Classe. uh, it was sort of the first time, uh, that we got our, uh, a chance to talk to them at home, uh, about making the all-star team. Jose was, uh, you know, Jose was Jose when, when he sat down with us on uh, Monday evening uh, before the game uh, against Chicago. And did and he really, have his medal on? Did he, he, had his, he had his chain, but he didn't want to talk about himself at all. He just wanted to talk about class a and, and uh, Jimenez making the team. And, you know, it, he did, we, we did ask him um, if, you know, because he signed the contract and he's, he's comfortable you know, if, if that made a difference in in why he was able to have the, the first half of the season that he had. And, you know, he just sort of denied and said, you know, no, it has nothing to do with it. It's two separate things. I just go out and play baseball, which is what you would expect. I, I, I hate those, you know, interview sessions where we don't get any of his personality come out. Right. I would much rather I would much rather have him mic'd up on camera and, you know, just see those organic moments come through. Uh, like in LA with Freddie Freeman, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it was, it, it's great that they have Jose at the all-star game. Don't know if he's going to play very much uh, with the, the nursing the thumb on his hand, but right. you know, we'll see. Did he say anything about the thumb? Is it still bothering him or he's, uh, he didn't deny that it was still bothering him, but he, he said, no, I'm fine. And, and sort of left it at that. So he's starting to hit a little better. He's still not driving the ball though. You know, it's just that he's starting to drive in some runs again. So that's a good sign. Right. Yeah. And, and it also helps that it coincides with Framil Reyes getting a little hotter behind him. Uh, maybe he is starting to see a few more pitches. Uh, uh, but you know, he, he's always a, a threat to be intentionally walked as we saw uh, yesterday with Tony La Russa. another uh, curious Tony La Russa decision, uh, Jose Ramirez, batting with uh, a base open and an 0-1 count in the fifth inning against uh, Davis Martin, the uh, the Chicago rookie. Uh, 0-1 count, and we look up, and all of a sudden, Jose's going to first base. Everybody in the press box is like, what's going on? <laughs> it's, they, they intentionally walked him. Uh, Hoinsey, that was the sixth intentional walk this season for Jose Ramirez. He is now tied with Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, and Mike Trout for most intentional walks in the American league, but he didn't get intentionally walked for the first time until 45 games into this season. So just in the last 40 games, Jose Ramirez has been walked intentionally walked six times. Wow. I mean, and that's, that's interesting because, you know, he's been struggling of late, really, Mm -hmm. you know, he really hasn't been himself after that great start. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, that was so weird. I don't know. Do you think La Russa was just, 
you know, he wanted to see him take a swing and, and, or did somebody say, Hey, this, you know, there's a guy in second base. We might want to, you know, intentionally walk Ramirez and, and go after the rest of the lineup. I, that, that was, I don't know. That, that was so, a strange So here's thing. how, here's how it was explained after the game. And he was asked about it. Uh, Larusa said they were going to throw him one pitch off the plate outside to see if he would swing. And if he would swing, they, they, they would consider going after him a little bit. But uh, he took that pitch, and it was evident that he was going to be patient and take his walk if if they weren't going to pitch to him. So they they just decided, why bother, and they put him on. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you, you can't argue with the logic. I mean. Yeah. I mean, one way or the other, he's on first base. You don't pitch to him. And, and, but still, one the one pitch, what if he hits it out? I don't know. I mean. And, and that's sort of the other thing. You've got a rookie pitcher on the mound. You worry about him executing in that situation. If he doesn't throw the pitch where he's, you know, it's supposed to throw the pitch, and rookie pitchers don't always do that. Yeah, uh, that's that's a problem. So, yeah, I I can see it, but it's still kind of funny. It's not the first time Larusa has intentionally walked uh, a, a batter this season uh, when he's been ahead in the count. Um, I think uh, I think um, he did it to Trey Turner. Uh, yeah, O2, right. O'Toole in the county, he walked Trey Turner. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't uh, pretend to, uh, you know, know what's in the mind of Tony Larusa. It's, it's kind of crazy. It kind of reminded me. I was there was one game in Cal. Well, when the when they were the Indians, they were playing uh, the Angels, and Mo Vaughn was on the Angels, and you know, it looked like a certain, you know, definitely a situation where you'd walk Mo Vaughn. And uh, Charlie Manuel was the manager, and but he said he really hadn't made up his mind uh, until uh, he wanted to. He he didn't make up his mind to walk him because he he wanted to see the way how Mo Vaughn walked to the plate. Like you know, just did he have that swagger? Did he was did he look confident? And that always cracked me up because that's how deep you go. You, you aren't you just going to so, move on? Could hit the ball five miles. I'm going to walk this guy. But Charlie wanted to see just how he his gait. I guess how he how he walked to the plate. So it says on the scouting report all this stuff about move on and where to pitch him. And then there's a big or <laughs> if he walks to the plate with swagger, walk him. Yeah, that's, right. that's what it looks like. Uh, that's the that's the scouting report back then. Uh, all very interesting. Uh, Hoinsey, uh, we've got All Star Weekend coming up. the The draft is coming up. We'll uh, we'll go a little more a little bit more in depth on that uh, later on this week as we get closer to it. Um, the futures game is coming up. I've got a piece coming out tomorrow uh, with a lot of detail about the futures game uh, and. The other thing that's that's coming up as well, uh, pretty soon after the All Star break, is going to be the trade deadline, and we're hearing a lot of rumblings and rumors and and everything. Uh, last year at this time, there was major upheaval uh, when at the at the All Star at, at the after the All Star break at the trade deadline. Um, it, most of it involved Terry Francona and and him stepping away for the last two months of the season. Uh, what do you predict is going to be the the course of the season in terms of what the what they what they do at the trade deadline and how they spend the rest of this year? Uh, is it going to be clearing space for more prospects like Nolan Jones 
uh, like Alex Call, who got a surprise call up. Uh, is it going to be about acquiring more pieces? Will we see guys like Ahmed Rosario still around? Uh, is is Austin Hedges' time short on this roster? Because uh, they could bring up a guy like a Bo Naylor. Uh, what do you think the next step is here with this club? Yeah, I think uh, those are all good points. Um, you know, what, they're 43 and 43 right now, three and a half out. Uh, so I guess, you know, these next uh, five games kind of, you know, pretty, you know, are, are important. Then they come right out of it. And, uh, you know, they're back in Chicago against the White Sox. And what the deadline is, what, August, August 2nd? August 2nd. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, you know, Terry Pluto wrote Sunday that, uh, you know, Fran Mill Reyes might be traded. Uh, that's an interesting, uh, you know, kind of move to, to see if they would make that because they certainly would have, you know, Oscar Gonzalez or, or uh, Nolan Jones, you, you slip one of those guys into the DH role. Uh, so I think, you know, I think, I think they'll be active. I, I don't think you're going to make a huge move. I, I don't see that, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised, but you, they've got to create some space for some of these young guys, Joe. I mean, that's why you have them or you trade those young guys to, to get a, you know, a guy that's going to be an everyday, maybe a, an everyday right. guy behind a plate or, or somebody, uh, you know, a, a regular outfielder, but it seems like the outfield is getting filled up pretty fast. So what do you do? I mean, is it a second baseman? You know, do you move him Jimenez to short I, or do you get a first baseman? All right. Uh, if I, if I told you, uh, my, my rankings in terms of most likely to be traded players, uh, Ahmed Rosario, Framil Reyes, and Zach Plesac still, I, I think, uh, I think Plesac's an, a, a guy who has a potential to get traded, uh, just maybe to, to free up that spot that we were talking about in the rotation, maybe, uh, to, to see what they've got, uh, coming up through the pipeline. Yeah. And Plesac's you know, he's pitched so well. I mean, mm -hmm. they, just, they just don't score for him. I right. mean, it's it's crazy. Just, you know, we've said that before, but I think he's, he's been on a great run. If, if, uh, you know, if he's being, uh, you know, showcased, he's, he's doing all the right things right now. Yeah, exactly. It's a great point. It's like, it, it, it almost would be, uh, you know, a welcome thing for him if he got traded to a club that, that could score for him, I guess. Uh, every time out, you could sense his frustration after the last game in Kansas City. He was he was not happy that uh, plays weren't being made behind him, and yeah. uh, that uh, you know that the, the offense was what it was. Uh, lots of fun uh, the rest of this week. The Tigers are back in town uh, beginning uh, tomorrow night, and you know the the Guardians now can't seem to beat the Tigers. They can't uh, they can't hardly lose to the to the White Sox. I think they're what six and two against them this year. Uh, and and they can't seem to beat the uh, the Tigers. Yeah, it's it's a role reversal. I saw last night Miguel Cabrera stole third base and and came around and scored when the catcher overthrew third base. So the crazy things are happening with the Tigers. And uh, but I I would think uh, the Guardians would be looking for a little payback uh, this weekend when when Detroit comes to town. They they certainly can't roll over and lose four straight again. Yeah, that was that was about as low a feeling uh, coming out of Detroit last week as uh, as we've experienced with these guys lately. All right, Hoinsey, uh good to have you back in the saddle once again. We will check in again tomorrow morning uh, here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. 
All right, Joe. 